um, get rid of this idea that if I experience uh, depression or anxiety or if I've had wrong thoughts or wrong feelings that I'm a wrong person or that I'm not a good Christian or I'm not a faith person, but that's not true. Uh, Because we're going to get in our Bibles today and realize almost all the people that are in the hall of faith had issues. All of them. Because they're human beings who live on this planet. And the thing about the Bible is it tells you the good and the bad. It tells the truth. That's another reason to realize that the Bible is true because if they were trying to fake it, they would just leave the good stuff in and not the bad stuff. (laughs) But if you read your Bible, they tell the whole dirty, nasty story. Real Housewives of Jerusalem story. Like, it is... It's pretty raw. It's pretty real. They tell the whole story. They tell you about Abraham and all the faith that he had, but they also tell you about that he slept with somebody who wasn't his wife and had a baby with her too. But we just think about the man of God, Abraham. Yeah, he was a man of God, but he was also a human who dealt with stuff. And so the thing is, the Bible tells the whole story, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And we need to realize that because if you read your Bible, actually you will be encouraged just by reading your Bible, knowing that these men and women of faith had issues. And the thing is, they had issues, but it didn't stop them from receiving the promises of God. It didn't stop them from being a person of faith and fulfilling the will of God. They had issues, but notice with God, they overcame them. And they got past them, and they got help, and they got hope, and they got healing because they had God in their lives. Now, just a few of them, and we're going to talk about a couple specifically today, but uh, Moses had times where he was discouraged and depressed and anxious. God still used him. Abraham had times where he was discouraged and depressed, and God used him. Elijah, who was a prophet, major prophet in the Old Testament, there was a time in his life that he told God to kill him. Because he was the only person left. He was the only person who loved God. Have you ever said that to yourself? That's not true. God, I'm the only person who's dealing with this. I'm the only person who's experiencing this. I'm the only person who loves God. That is a bunch of baloney. You're not. But notice, Elijah was depressed that day. He was dealing with a lot of stuff. He was discouraged. And notice, Elijah, great man of God, told God to kill him. He wanted to commit suicide. Elijah. Because he was discouraged. Now, he didn't stay there, but he did have a moment in his life. He was that discouraged. And you know what God did? God came and encouraged him and said, guess what, Elijah? There is 7,000 other people that live really close to where you live, and they haven't bowed down to a foreign God, and they still love God, and therefore, God, you are not the only person, Elijah. And notice, God encouraged Elijah when he was depressed and said, hey, wake up, Elijah. No, there's 7,000 other people that love God just like you. Don't make yourself into a victim here. There's other people that love God, and there's a call on your life, and you can make it through this. And notice, Elijah made it through it, didn't he? He made it through it. He fulfilled the plan of God. He passed on what he got to the next generation, to Elisha. But notice, he went through it. But he had a rough time. David, we know David did, and we're going to talk about David some today. David had a lot of situations like that in his life. But notice he overcame them, and he is somebody we still talk about today. David experienced anxiety, depression, 
Jeremiah the prophet, we know that he was known as the weeping prophet uh, because he was upset. Uh, Jeremiah was talking to the nation of Israel and he was having to pronounce judgment on the whole nation. He knew what was coming for the nation of Israel, so he was depressed, he was sad, he was upset. As a prophet, he knew before the rest of the nation knew that destruction was coming to Israel because of their disobedience. And he didn't want to say that, but he had to say that. And Jeremiah, notice, experienced that. And Jeremiah, we know he even wrote the book of Lamentations, which is all about grieving and mourning because of what he was experiencing, because he realized judgment was coming and he couldn't stop it. And Paul, in the New Testament, great man of faith, there's many times that Paul said, I was pushed way past my measure. I felt like giving up. I felt like stopping. I felt like throwing in the towel. This is Paul. Man of faith, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He tells you he felt that way. But then he always turns around and says, but you know what, God didn't give up on us. And God helped me through this. And God delivered me before. And he's going to deliver me in the future. And he's delivering me right now. But notice the apostle Paul, he didn't lie. He told you, hey, I'm going through a lot of stuff right now. And if you read his life, it's crazy. Most of us would have given up a long time ago. It said, man, I was beat by the saved. I was beat by the unsaved. I was stoned. I was put in jail. I was shipwrecked. I went through all these things for the sake of the gospel. But notice he never gave up because he had hope. He had hope. And notice God brought him through all of that. You guys getting some help so far today? And lastly, Jesus. You know that Jesus, though he was God, he came as a human being to this earth. He was fully God and fully man. But it says when he was on earth, he put away all his divine privileges and divine powers as God and walked as a man. And it says that Jesus experienced everything that we experience. He did. Jesus in the Bible, it talks about that there was a time where Jesus wept and grieved for his friend Lazarus. Jesus had emotions. Jesus felt things. Jesus experienced things. Now we're talking about Jesus. Your Lord and Savior, Jesus, experienced anxiety and depression. It says that we know in the Garden of Gethsemane that he was there and he was crying. And he was upset to the point of blood coming out of him. That's some intense anxiety and depression on what was about to happen. He knew he was going to the cross. He knew what he was going to experience. And he was feeling some things. He was having some thoughts coming towards him right then. He was experiencing things that we experienced. Notice Jesus was experiencing that. But notice he chose to have hope. And he chose to encourage himself in the garden. He chose to speak to himself in the garden. And notice what he did. He went to the cross. He rose again. He accomplished what the Father had sent him to do. But notice Jesus, we need to realize this, Jesus experienced the same things we're experiencing. Because some of you could say, well, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't, but he does. And it says in the book of Hebrews, I read this earlier this week, it says, since he was a man like we are, 
and experienced everything that we experience, including worry, anxiety, fear, depression. He experienced those feelings. Now, he didn't receive them, but he experienced that. And he had thoughts thrown towards him, and he had feelings thrown towards him. And it says he went through everything that we go through. And he experienced it, and it says that's why he is a compassionate high priest. He can sympathize with our weakness because he was once here, and he once experienced it. So let's realize during this series, you need to understand when we go to God, when we go to him, and when we ask for help, he's not saying, I mean, I can't relate to you. You just need to straighten up. You know what he's saying? He has compassion on us because he experienced the same things that we're experiencing right now. He's went through the same things that you're experiencing right now. And it says that's why he can be a compassionate high priest for us. He's a compassionate God. Why? Because he lived as a man. He experienced the heartache and pain of this earth. I love that about Jesus, don't you? Then when we come to him, he's not disinterested in what's going on. He knows it because he's felt it. He's experienced it. He's thought it because he lived as a man and he dealt with these things. It says he's a compassionate high priest. But we're going to take you a step further today. And let's look over at John 5 in verse 6. You guys get anything so far? John 5. The thing is about Jesus that he is compassionate towards us. But we need to understand something about compassion. Compassion is not, I just feel bad for you. Compassion says, I understand what you're going through, but let me help you out of it. It's not just a feeling, it's an action. Come on now, somebody, where you at? Jesus, in the Gospels, it says he was moved with compassion. That doesn't mean that Jesus was just over here. Man, I feel bad for them. Notice what compassion did. Compassion made him lay hands on the sick and they recovered. Compassion made him go over to somebody and say, rise up and walk. Compassion did something. Compassion went to help. Compassion went to heal. Compassion went to give somebody hope. Compassion doesn't just stand back and say, man, I feel bad for them. I experienced that too. Stinks. Horrible. I wouldn't want to go through that anymore. No, compassion does more than just feel bad. It does something. It's an action. And that's good news for us because Jesus doesn't just experience what we experience and he leaves us helpless and hopeless. He experienced what we experience and he wants to help us move forward and get help and get hope and get healing and become whole as people because he has compassion on us. And so in John 5 and verse 3, let's start here. This is the story of Jesus and this man who was at the pool of Bethesda. In John 5 and verse 3, it says, In this lay a great multitude of sick people, blind people, lame people, paralyzed people. Verse 4, For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. And that whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease they had. 
Notice in verse 5, now a certain man was there and had an infirmity 38 years. In verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said, do you want to be made well? Now, we're going somewhere today. you got to stay with me. I feel like preaching it like I feel it today. So let's preach it like we feel it. He said, do you want to be made well? Now, I'm, t- I'm going to talk about the next step <laughs> that we got to take. You'll see this all throughout the Gospels. A lot of times, Jesus would ask them, before he prayed for them and helped them, what do you want? He would ask people, what did you come for? Now, he knew it. He knew what they needed. He could see what they needed, but what, he, what was he asking? He wanted to know where their faith was. He wanted to know if they wanted help. And that's what I want to say to you today. If you don't want help, God can't help you. But if you want help, he can help you. And that's the next step we got to take when we're dealing with anxiety and depression. Do you want to be well? That's the question. Do you want to be well? That's what Jesus is asking you today. Do you want to be whole? Do you want to be healed? Do you want help? Because if you don't want help, he can't help you. And Jesus puts the responsibility back on us. Do you want it? And you realize there's a lot of people in this world that help's available for them, but they don't want it. (laughs) You have to make up your mind right now and in this series, I want to be well. I want to be whole. I want to be healed. That's what Jesus is asking you. Do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? Do you want to be whole? Do you want hope? Do you want peace? Do you want help? You have to answer that question. That's the next step. And if you weren't here last week, you can go listen to it. But some of the things I talked about, my own experience with panic attacks and and dealing with some depression and anxiety and other stuff that I have experienced before. And the thing that happened during that period of time was this. That there was a period of time that I wasn't doing anything. I was feeling bad for myself. I was letting the circumstances overtake me. And you know what? I felt like God said during that period of time, do you want to be well? Because if you're not willing to do anything, you're not going to get well. Do you want help or do you just want to lay in your depression the rest of your life? Why? Because compassion is not just a feeling. Compassion is an action. And compassion will say, hey, I sympathize with what you're going through, but let's take the next step and get out of this. Do you want to sit by this pool for 38 more years, or do you want to get up and walk? Do you want to deal with this another 40 years, or do you want to get up and walk? Come on now, somebody. Do you want help? Do you want healing? Do you want hope? That's a question that you have to answer. And I'm being honest with you, for for a while there, for a couple months, I wasn't doing anything. 
because I was so under the feelings and the thoughts and the circumstances, and I don't feel good, and I feel bad. And Eventually, God had to get my attention. No, you're not going to get well unless you do something here, unless you change something here. Do you want to be well is the question. And notice when he said, I want to be well, he said, well, get up and walk. And he got up and walked. But notice Jesus said, what do you want? So before we go any further in the series, that's the question I want you to answer to yourself. Do you want to be well? Because if you want to be well, God is going to give you some steps to take to get well. God is going to give you some action steps to get healing, to get whole, to find hope. God's not going to just say, well, I sympathize with you. He's going to go the step further and say, hey, come on, let's take action. You can be healed. You can be whole. But it's not just up to me. It's up to you and what you want. If you want it, you can have it. If you want to be healed, you can be healed. If you want help, you can be helped. If you want hope, you can have hope. Come on now, somebody. You here this morning. And God wants to know, do you want it? And I'm just going to tell you my own story. Like I said last week. There were several months that I wasn't doing anything. I was just feeling bad for myself and like, man, I'm stuck. I'm alone. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I don't know what to do. And eventually God had to get my attention and say, hey, no, no, no. Do you want to be well or not? Because the truth is we can't sit around and do nothing and expect our lives to change. We can't sit around and, and feel sorry for ourselves that we're going through all these things even though they're horrible and they're not from God, unless we're willing to do something ourselves. Because God says, I can help you, but you have to want it. And you have to be willing to take a step of faith and change. Notice he would say, get up and walk. Now, what if the person said, well, I can't get up and walk? That's what a lot of you guys do. That's what I've done to God before. Well, I can't get over this. If he says, get up and walk, get up and walk. And notice the man, as soon as he started to get up to walk, strength came to him to be able to walk. Same thing, he told a man to stretch out his hand when his hand was withered. The man could have said, I can't stretch out my hand, it's withered. But God said, you got to do something so I can help you. And notice, as soon as he did that, the power of God came and he stretched out his hand. It's the same thing with anxiety and depression. Don't say, I can't get over this. I can't stop being anxious. I can't stop having panic attacks. I can't stop being depressed. No, if God said you can, we need to take the action step. And as soon as you step out in faith, that's when the power of God will move to help you change your situation. Come on now, you're receiving some hope this morning so far. And so compassion doesn't just sympathize with us. It is an action that pushes us forward because God wants us whole. God's wa- God wants help for our lives. So that's the question you need to answer. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made well? Because if you want to, you can. And notice what God will do. God is going to give you steps to take to get better. God is going to give you steps to take to get out of that. God is going to help you. God is going to heal you. God is going to restore hope. But you have to do something yourself. With everything in our relationship with God, there's always two sides. There's God's side and there's man's side. 
And what a lot of us want, and this is what I wanted, I just wanted somebody to lay hands on me and hit me on the head, and my depression and anxiety was gone forever. It didn't happen like that. It was a journey. It was a process. It took some time. Now, I know that there is times that somebody can lay hands on somebody, and it happens instantly. But for a lot of us, it is a journey where God says, you need to take this step, and you need to take this step, and you need to take this step, because he's leading you out of depression and anxiety. You still here today? All right, let's look back at 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. I feel better already. I know about you. 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 30. We're going to read this again. This is the story of David and his mighty men. Now, we mentioned this last week, kind of funny, but uh, I told you about this book called What If You Feel Too Much? And I said I would be in that category of feel too much. Like I said, quick to love, quick to fight, quick to get excited, quick to get sad, a lot of things. That's just the way I am. And, and, and I'm sorry if you're the opposite person because I don't like you um, too much. Because there's people that are just too straight-faced all the time. It's like, do you like this? Do you like me? Are you having a good time? Show it on your face or leave the party. That's how I run summer camp. Get out of my dance party if you're going to look like you don't want to be here. Just leave camp, really. We don't need you here. That's the way I am. Now, if you're the opposite, you're probably more stable than I am, but I don't like you. I don't. I like people that are emotional in a good way. That show their feelings in a good way. Now, Dad, he's mentioned that to you many times. He said he could very easily be in that category. And he's had to train himself for years and years and years to get himself under control. But as you've seen him recently, he will cry at anything. Anything. He's always been that way, but even more since the beginning of this year. Like anything, just like a bug will fly in front of him. He'll be like, oh. <laughs> like Dad, you're okay. You're okay. The bug's going to live. It's all right. Love you. That's just dad. He's so tender right now. Like you wouldn't see it sometimes. See, you only see one side of dad. You see the prophet side and the intense side, and he's just mad at the devil. He's not mad at you. He's mad at the devil going intense. But outside, man, he's so tender, so tender. Now, mom, not so much. Okay. She's not here, so I can say that. So I would say that David would be in that category of feeling too much. Now, he was a musician, too. There's a little musician joke right there, too. So that probably helped. Um, wrote a lot of love songs before he wor- wrote worship songs. And uh, he was all in his feelings before that. And we're going to talk about David some this morning before we go any further. Because David was one of those men of God who went through a lot of things in his life. He experienced anxiety, depression, all those things. And David was a man after God's own heart. So we're thinking about this. David was a man after God's own heart, and he still went through all that. He still experienced all that. David loved God with all his heart, but he experienced some hard times in his life. And really, David is probably one of the most significant people in the Bible other than Jesus. David. And we're going to talk about 1 Samuel 
uh, 30 in a second about this story of what happened. But just if you read the Psalms, if you read the book of Psalms, you realize he lets it all hang out, all his feelings. Now, if it was written in modern day English, there would be some curse words in the Psalms. You guys realize that? You can laugh. You can laugh. We're in church. But David was a cusser. Read the Bible. He cussed. And actually, God was okay with it for the period of time. Now, Miss Donna, don't write that down. I saw you writing that down. Don't share that. Hey, do not share that at Life Group. That stays in this place right now. Pastor Jordan said, God is okay with being a cusser because David was. Okay. See, I shouldn't have said that. But it's the truth. You know if you read the book of Psalms, the way he talks, read the book of Psalms, and you'll see that David tells God everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Some days he's praising God. Some days he's saying, I need you to kill all my enemies, and I want to see their insides just fall out of their body. God, please do that, and please kill me while you're at it. You're like, David, what is the matter with you? Get a hold of yourself, David. But you know what? David told it like it was. David was honest with God. I think that's one of the main reasons why David was a man after God's own heart, because he was honest with God. The good, the bad, the ugly. He told God what was going on. You know, it's no good if you go to God and you fake it when you're with him. He already knows what you're dealing with. He already knows what you're experiencing. Just get it out of your mouth so he can help you with it. And that's what David knew. David knew, hey, I don't got anybody else who can help me. I don't got anybody else I can talk to. So I'm just going to tell God how I feel right now. And how I feel is I want you to kill my coworker. That's what he said. Now, of course, David would always clean it up, and by the end of the psalm, he'd be like, God, I love you. I'm sorry I didn't mean to say that. But still, he would let it be known how he felt, curse words and all. But David experienced so much in his life. He experienced um, so much when he was younger because he was the youngest, and uh, even his own, own family didn't believe in him. His own family didn't think he was worthy enough to be king. His dad didn't even show him to the, the prophet, to, for him to be king. Um, he grew up, and we know that he ended up committing murder, and he had an affair. And we know that there was a period of time in his life where the king Saul was chasing after him, trying to kill him, because he knew that David was supposed to be king. Later on in his life, he had issues with his children. This is a man who went through a lot of stuff. A faith man. A man after God's own heart. That's who we're talking about here. And he experienced these things, anxiety, depression. But notice, something about David is he knew how to encourage himself. (laughs) He knew how to get out of situations because he knew how to encourage himself in God. He knew how to get over situations because he knew how to speak to his soul. Now let's look at 1 Samuel 30. In verse 6, 1 Samuel 30, in verse 6, it says, Now David was greatly distressed, or we could say he was depressed. As you can see, why he would be depressed, he came back home with all his mighty men, and they had burned everything down. They had taken all the wives and all the children. Now, right then, they didn't know that all those people could have been dead. He came back, and notice, imagine yourself. If you came back home 
your family was missing and your house just burned down. That's a pretty bad day. A horrible day. That's what happened to David, but on a whole nother level because all of the mighty men blamed it on David. So all his mighty men who were people that loved David said, you know what, we are so sad. And it says because the soul of all the people was grieved. They were so grieved, so upset, they said, we're going to kill you, David, because you're the one who caused this. That's a horrible day. Your house burned down, your family is taken away, and all your best friends now want to kill you. That's a bad day. There would be reason to be depressed and anxious on that day. But David, notice because he was a man after God's own heart, he knew something about God. He knew something about making it through tough situations. And what did he immediately do? It says that David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. He strengthened himself. Some translations say that David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. We mentioned this last week, but we talked about the battleground of the enemy is your soul. The enemy comes to give you thoughts and feelings and emotions that are contrary to the truth of God's word. And he will attack you the most in your soul. That's where he tries to take advantage of us, in our soul. And so what did he do? David started speaking and encouraged himself in his soul. He encouraged himself in his soul. So this is the worst day of David's life. Now David could have done a lot of things here. He could have sat down, just cried. He could have ran away. He could have yelled at God. He could have blamed other people. But what did he choose to do? He encouraged himself in the Lord his God. I love that. He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Now, we talked about this at the beginning. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to be made whole? Well, these are some action steps that you need to take. We can't just sit around and go through all these pain and depression and anxiety when the whole time we could have been encouraging ourselves in the Lord and God could bring us out of it. I think David has a reason to be depressed. If anybody could say, I deserve to be depressed and anxious today, David could say it. But David said, that's not going to help me right now. What's going to help me is this, that I encourage myself in the Lord my God. I strengthen myself in the Lord my God. And how did he do that? He spoke to his soul. Now, Most of you in this church, you know this because you've heard messages on the power of your words. You realize your words are powerful. But they're not just powerful to speak to other things or other people. They're powerful to speak to your own soul and to change how you feel. Your words are powerful to change what you think. Your words are powerful to change anxiety and depression because you've been speaking to your soul. Because you have power in your words. Let's just be honest here. Most of the time we're going through anxiety and depression, our mouths reinforce what we're going through. So it makes it worse, not better. I know I was like that. And you know what? I never got better talking about it. I never got better complaining about it. 
I'm going to be honest with you. The only time I started getting better is when I started encouraging myself in the Lord my God. I started strengthening myself in the Lord my God. And I would wake up and feel depressed. And you know what? I would have to speak to my soul. Some days you have to wake up and speak to your soul. And tell your soul because you're in charge on how it's going to feel. you got to tell your soul, no, it's going to be a good day. Even though you feel like it's going to be a horrible day. You have to tell your soul that, hey, the joy of the Lord is my strength today. And I receive joy. I feel down right now, but I'm going to be a joyful person. And I thank you, Father. You're going to strengthen me today. That's how you speak to your soul. And notice when you do that, your words have power to change your feelings. Do you know that? Your words have power to change your thoughts. Your words have power to change that depression into rejoicing. Your words have power to change that anxiety into peace. Your words. Are you here this morning? I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. And notice, we have power and authority in our words to speak to our soul. I just gave you the first step out of depression and anxiety. You have to learn the art of encouraging yourself. You have to learn to speak to your soul and tell it what it's going to do. You have to speak to your soul. I love it says that he strengthened himself. Now, the first part of this, I want to talk about you because you realize you live in a world going to job, going to work, going home going to school, doing all these things. And a lot of times, you're not always with your church family. You're not always with a person of faith. So you got to do this yourself. you got to learn how to do this yourself. Because let's be honest, I'm 29 years old and I realized already, I'm not going to always have somebody pat me on the back telling me, you're going to make it. You're going to do great. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I realized already, I'm going to have to learn how to encourage myself and to strengthen myself. Because there's going to be a lot of times I'm not with anybody but myself. And I can't call anybody. And I can't text anybody right then because people are busy. So notice, you've got to learn to do it yourself. Now, I know when I say that, that's where a lot of people kind of jump off the, the uh, train. <laughs> because that puts the responsibility back in your lap. There's a, no, but I just want God to just do it for me. Now, he will, but you've got to start saying something so he can help you. He says, do you want to be well? Stand up. Do you want to be healed? Encourage yourself. Do you want to get out of this anxiety? Strengthen yourself. Because when you start doing it, that's what I'm going to help you. That's when we're going to heal you. That's when hope's going to be restored. We have to learn to encourage ourselves. Let's look at Psalm 42 in verse 11. Psalm 42. You guys getting something so far this morning? If we're going to take steps out of anxiety and depression, we're going to have to learn to encourage ourselves and strengthen ourselves in the Lord our God. Why? Because your words have power to change your thoughts. They have power to change your feelings. You know that. When you say, I don't feel good, 
you don't feel good. (laughs) And the more you say it throughout the day, you don't feel good. When you say you're tired, you get more tired. Why? Because your words have authority and power. And when you speak those things, you're not just speaking it. You're speaking to your soul. And your soul's listening to what you're saying. And your words have power to change it. So we have to learn the art of encouraging ourselves, speaking to our soul, because that's where the enemy takes advantage. Notice this is Psalm 42 and verse 11. Listen to what he says. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why? Because the enemy takes advantage of you in your soul. And notice what he says. Why are you disquieted within me? He's asking questions here. Notice what he, but what does he say next? Hope in God. Hope in God. David just completely asked his soul a question, and then he gave it the answer. He spoke to his soul. He said, why are you cast down? Why are you depressed? Why are you anxious? And he said, hope in God, for I shall yet praise him and the help of my countenance in my God. Notice what he just did. He took his own advice and encouraged himself. All throughout the Psalms, you'll see that. He could be talking negative for several verses, but notice he had to get it right, and he started encouraging himself. He said, yeah, I know I'm going through this, but God will deliver me. Yeah, I know I'm experiencing that, but God has never failed me yet. Yeah, I'm going through this, but I'm still going to praise God. David, what was he doing? Speaking to his soul. Encouraging himself and the Lord his God. He was strengthening himself. And I love this. He says, why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. David just told his soul what to do. And what did he say? Hope in God. Hope in God. He told his soul what to do. You hope in God, soul. I know you're feeling depressed right now. You're feeling anxious right now. But hope in God, soul. And know what his soul had to change because he encouraged himself. You guys getting something today? We need to learn to encourage ourselves, to strengthen ourselves, to speak to our soul. Because our words have power. And just like the psalmist David was really one of the greatest examples in all the Bible of doing this. What would he do? He would ask questions, but then he would give himself the answer. He would say, hope in God's soul. Trust in God's soul. Wake up, soul. God's going to deliver you, soul. He would speak to his soul. And that's how David overcame all he overcame. Because he spoke to his soul. I was thinking about this earlier this week. And one of the best ways you can encourage yourself is to remind yourself what God has already done in your life. <laughs> I know for myself, when, when I got in that situation, the enemy tries to corner you so much and make you feel like you're so alone, you're so by yourself, that for a period of time there, I completely forgot about all the other things that God had done in my life. And finally I had to wake up and say, hold on. God has already healed me a lot of times. 
God's already saved me a bunch of times. God's already delivered me a bunch of times. If he did it before, he can do it again. And notice the enemy tries to make you think, well, this time is not going to work. This time, you know, you're not going to get over this. This time, how do you encourage yourself? You remind yourself what God has already done in your life. Notice God already healed me. God already brought me out of this debt before. God already changed my family. God already restored this to me. God already helped me. God already healed me. God already did that. And when you remind yourself, you encourage yourself of what God has done in your life. So how do we encourage ourselves? We remind ourselves what God has already done. Because if he did it before, he can do it again. Is that not the truth? If he did it before, he can do it again. And even if you can't find a verse for your life, look in the Bible somewhere, somehow, and find somebody of the situation you're going through and say, God, you know what? You did it for them, you can do it for me. You did it back then, you can do it for me. If you healed them, you can heal me. If you delivered them, you can deliver me. Come on, is this a Pentecostal church or not? Let me check for a second. You went Presbyterian on me for a moment. I said, I'm going to preach it like I feel it. And so we remind ourselves what God has already done. That's how we encourage ourselves. And I know for a fact, I know all the faces in here. I know that each one of you at least have one testimony of what God has done in your life. At least one. Most of you have hundreds of testimonies or thousands of testimonies of what God has done in your life. So how do we encourage ourselves? We start reminding ourselves what God has already done. You know, when you start doing that, you start feeling better. (laughs) The sun's brighter. It's not dark anymore. And you remind yourself, hey, no, God already did this. And he did this. Is this too hard for God, this situation I'm going through right now? No, it's not. And I know I can sympathize with what you're going through. Because like I said, there was a period of time where I, I couldn't think anything right then. And he wants to get you so focused in that you can't even remember what God has done. Because he knows that's your way out. It's encouraging yourself. It's speaking to yourself. It's strengthening yourself in the Lord your God. Notice when David would go through situations like that, he had a lot to thank God for. Because God had delivered him from a lion. God had delivered him from a bear. God had delivered him from Goliath. God had delivered him from the King Saul and all his army for years. He delivered one guy from an entire army for years. He protected him. If God did that, can't God do something in my future? And David reminded himself, no, hey, I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord my God. You guys getting something today? I'm getting help. (laughs) Let's look at 1 Samuel again. I believe hope's coming today. I believe people are getting help today. I believe healing is in this house this morning. So if we want to take the next step, we're going to have to encourage ourselves in the Lord our God. Strengthen ourselves. Speak to our soul when we don't feel like it. Speak to our mind when we feel like we're going crazy. Speak to our soul. 
So this is what David did. He encouraged himself. And notice because he didn't just sit there and say, hey, God, help me. God, help me. God could have said the same thing right there to David. Do you want to be well? You got to do something. Do you want help? So David, what did he do? He took a step. He strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And notice because he did that, what happened, I, I feel like with all my heart, if David wouldn't have done that, then it probably wouldn't have turned out the way it turned out. But since David said, I'm going to encourage myself, I'm going to speak to my soul, it says in verse 8, So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answered and said, Pursue, for you shall overtake them, and without fail, recover all. That's what happened when he encouraged himself. God could move in his life. God could do something in his life. God could heal him. God could give him hope. God could restore things. But notice, David had to do something. Encourage himself. And the story's true. David and his mighty men pursued, and they got every woman and every child back. They recovered everything that the enemy had stolen from them. But notice, it wouldn't have happened unless David encouraged himself. Now let's look at another verse, Lamentations 3, in verse 20. Lamentations 3. Now we just talked about David, but let's talk about Jeremiah for a moment. Jeremiah was a prophet, but he knew the art of encouraging himself. In Lamentations 3, in verse 20. Lamentations 3 and verse 20. So, once again, Jeremiah was knowing what was going to happen to Israel. There was going to be judgment. There was going to be destruction. And he was upset because he wanted... He wanted God to change it, but Israel's disobedience opened the door for destruction to happen. And so Jeremiah, as a prophet, was upset, was dealing with this, but notice what he did. He encouraged himself, and Lamentations 3 and verse 20 says this, My soul still remembers and sinks within me. So notice, at the beginning of this, He was realizing what was going on and thinking about the wrong things. And it says, my soul still remembers and sinks within me. But notice he turns it in verse 21. He says, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. And what does he recall to his mind in verse 22? Though the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. Verse 23, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Notice, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. He's talking to his soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly, for salvation is of the Lord. Come on now, somebody. What did he say? He realized what was going on and he said, when I just think about 
What's going on? My soul sinks. But notice, he said, but when I recall, therefore I have hope. And what did he recall? He started speaking to his soul. And he said, though the Lord's mercies, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassion fails not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion. Notice, says my soul. He's talking to his soul. He knew the art of encouraging himself. He says, therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly, for salvation is of the Lord. So even Jeremiah the prophet had learned the art of encouraging himself. And that was a bad time in his life. He was having to pronounce judgment on the whole nation and destruction was coming. But he still said, I'm going to speak to my soul. And you know what? Though there is destruction and stuff coming on this nation, God's compassion doesn't fail. God's love doesn't fail. And he said, even though all this is going on, God's mercies are new every morning. And notice, he spoke to his soul and encouraged himself. Guys still here today? This is the last thing we want to talk about this morning, about encouraging yourself. If we're going to have hope, we need a hope partner. A hope partner. Now, this is where life groups come in. You don't need to do life alone. Let me say this real bluntly. You can't do life alone. You won't make it. Anybody. I don't care how strong you think you are. That's pride, and you can't make it by yourself. We need each other. God said in his word, it's not good that you're alone. He's not just talking about a husband or wife. He's talking about you need each other. You strengthen each other. You encourage one another. You build up one another. Just by being with each other, you help each other. I use this example all the time, but me and Chad Steele, we love each other. We got a covenant friendship, like Jonathan and David. I know many times when I was going through that, none of you knew what was going on. Chad did. I told Chad. I could trust Chad. But I know there would be times that I would just call Chad just because I wanted to hang out with somebody. Just by me hanging out with somebody of like faith, I left feeling better. Hello, somebody. I left feeling encouraged just by being with somebody. And we didn't talk the word the whole time. We just talked life. Just by me being with somebody of like faith, hope comes. Help comes. Healing comes. Just by being around the right people. So you need a hope partner, and that's where your group comes in. That's where doing life with the right people come in. You see this so many times in the Bible. David had Jonathan. Joshua had Caleb. Mary had Elizabeth. Timothy had Paul. All these people had somebody else. They weren't doing it by themselves. You need somebody else. You need somebody else to encourage you and believe in you and speak to you. When you're losing hope. When you're going through a situation like this, you need a hope partner. That's where life group comes in. That's where doing life with the right people. You need somebody else in your life. 
to not give up when you feel like giving up. You need somebody that comes to your house when they don't see you for a while. You need a person like this. You need a person, if you don't answer your cell phone and you don't text back and you don't answer your door, they're busting out a window because they care about you. You need some people in your life like that that won't give up on you when you want to give up, that won't let you backslide when you want to backslide, that won't let you go into depression and anxiety. You need a hope partner. I was thinking about this and thinking about climbing, thinking about men and women who climb mountains, and they make those journeys. There's two things that they tell climbers to never do. Never climb alone and never climb in the dark because it's dangerous. You never climb alone and you never climb in the dark because it's dangerous. Many Christians do that all the time. They don't have anybody in their life climbing with them. So guess what? If they lose grip, if they, if, if they lose hold of the rope, they're falling. Something else that says that you should never climb in the dark. It's dangerous. And what do I mean by that? I mean when you keep issues to yourself that you're dealing with, it hurts you. When you, now hear me here. When you bring your issues into the light, the darkness loses its power. Come on now, I said something. I don't know if you heard me. I'm going to walk out this door and go down to Graceland for goodness sakes. Come on now, somebody. Why? Because it's dangerous when you climb alone and you climb in the dark. You'll never make it. Because when you fall, there's nobody there to catch you. That's why we need each other. That's why we need hope partners. That's why we need life groups. That's why you need to do life with the right people. So even when you get tired and you lose grip for a moment, you got somebody there to catch you. And vice versa, when they're going through a situation, hey, you're holding on for them. If they lose grip and start to fall, you got a hand to catch them. That's why you need people in your life. You need a hope partner. When you let go, when you want to give up, when you get tired, when you slip, they will hold on to you. And they won't let you fall. They won't let you give up. You need other people. Like I said, don't ever climb alone. And don't ever climb in the dark. It's dangerous. And that's what we want to talk about, especially in these life groups. Not that these are going to be confessionals or anything. We don't want everybody to dig down their deepest, darkest, nastiest secret and just spread it on everybody all the time. That's not what we're talking about. But we are talking about genuinely, if you have issues, the darkness loses its power when you bring it in the light. And when you just say, I need help with this. The darkness loses its power. When you say, I've been struggling with this, I need help. The darkness loses its power. You're already halfway there just by saying it out your mouth. I'm dealing with anxiety and I need help. The darkness loses its power. I've been struggling with depression and I need you guys or you women to help me through this. The darkness loses its power. When you bring it into the light. So I want to encourage you, as we're getting these life groups going, this is what they are. They're hope partners. 
There are people that are doing this journey of life together with you. They're doing this climb with you. And you need people. We need each other. We need each other because I don't know about you, all of us get weary, get tired, want to give up. When you have the right people in your life, you won't fall. You won't give up. And notice, if you stick together, what happens with those good climbers? They make it to their destination. That's the same way with us. When we stick with the right people, we stick around people of hope and faith and the right friends, we all make it to the destination. We all complete the will of God. We all finish our life and do what God has called us to do. But notice we can't do it alone. And we can't do it in the dark.